Welcome to the Hot Topics in EMS podcast. I'm Battalion Chief Ben Kaufman in Montgomery County, Maryland. And today we're going to do an update with our staff from Mobile Integrated Health, MIH. I'm joined by their manager, Ms. Abby Tall Graves. I'm going to turn it over to her to introduce new members of her team. Thanks for having us again, uh, part two. So uh, with me, we have our two uh, newest members of the team, our dedicated MIH medics, Simon Martelli and Joseph Lee. Hello. Good morning. I'll start real quick. My name is Joseph Lee. I've been with the county for 16 years, going into my 17th year. I'll say my specialty right now is I've worked in every battalion, so I have a good idea of uh, the layout of some battalions, not everything. Uh, most recently, as of the 4th Battalion Rescue 2, and uh, I'm very excited to be a part of this team, and uh, um, I want to attribute the past uh, successes to the previous teams, uh, MIH teams that have been with us and started with the baton and we're going to pick it up and keep it going. Um, just doing some research, we have a million residents in Montgomery County. Uh, we cover 507 square miles of Montgomery County. We have a team of right now four people. Um, we had a, a fifth, one left that was a critical member. And as of right now with the four of us, we're trying our best to make sure we are receiving these referrals and actually um, taking our time with these referrals and all of that to say that we it's going to take some time and hopefully you guys as a department work with us as a team and we can work together and come with some uh, good results for our customers out here. Simon, tell us a little bit about yourself. Good morning. My name is Simon Martelli. I been in the county for 10 years as a paramedic, uh, firefighter in hazmat tech. Um, previously to my role in Montgomery County, I also have a background in nursing. I'm really excited about this program. Uh, it seems that it's having some real results. And the reason we wanted to do this this morning was just to get the word out. Um, there, There's questions about what exactly mobile integrative health is and what it does. And hopefully we'll cover some of the, you know, what we do and what we don't do in, in this podcast. You know, our mission is is pretty um, focused on reducing high utilizers of 911. And, uh, you know, we also are partnering with other uh, department agencies, uh, community risk reduction, and then some other social services to try and reduce the number of, of 911 users that, you know, all of our uh, fire rescue folks are seeing out there. So MIH has a lot of different models around the country. It sounds like you guys are focused on high utilizers here in the county. So I'm going to defer to, to Avatol. That's one of the, of the things that we're doing here. Um, Joe and I are, we're really hitting the ground running. This program has been up and running since 2016. Uh, Joe and I have been here for a couple of months. So high utilizers is just one of the, you know, basket of goods that we're offering. But that's what you guys are working on. You guys are handling the referrals for high utilizers. We, that's one of the many things yeah. that we're handling. Well, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I want to point out that the, the MCNIC model originally was talking about uh, people who met a threshold of being a high utilizers, having four or more calls in 30 days. So basically on average, once a week, that makes them a high utilizer. We don't use that metric anymore to require 
that someone meet that criteria before they can, uh, you know, be addressed by our program. The reason is, first of all, that makes us less proactive, right? We wait until someone calls us uh, that fifth time before we interact with them. And second of all, some of these people, it might be the first time they've ever called us, but they really need our help. So um, high utilizer is not really the, the sole focus of the program. Um, do you want to reiterate that um, the, the clinicians in the field are doing a great job of referring to us? We're at an all-time high for our referrals. Uh, year to date, we're almost at 700 unique uh, patients referred to us. Um, we've never hit that high of a number before, so you guys are knocking it out of the park. Um, the best way to, to send us information is through eMeds. Use that um, MIH uh, follow-up button, use the worksheet, fill it out as, to the best of your ability. Um, and when you hit submit, that automatically shows up on the other side of eMeds in the MIH module for us. Makes it a lot easier for us to um, consolidate all of the information for the patient. Um, a good tip is if you uh, use the find repeat patient function in your report when you're filling it out, not only will it uh, pull up information and complete some of the report for you, saving you some time, but it will also show you if that person's already been enrolled in an MIH program. Uh, so it kind of gives you a tip off as to whether or not we know about them already. Um, the second way to refer to us is FireApp. So if you're running a call where there was no eMeds report or another unit ran the eMeds report, you're not sure if they made the referral or uh, it was just a non-EMS call altogether, um, you can use FireApp in the uh, unit report section at the top right, there's a button that says EMS referral, and you can fill that out again to the best of your ability. It is behind a firewall, so there's no HIPAA concerns there. You can put whatever information you need. Please try and give us at least a name and date of birth for the patient. And then uh, the third way is to um, give us a call or shoot us an email. Uh, try to remember to encrypt emails if you're putting PHI in them, but uh, we're always available. Our phone numbers are listed in the Sonom phones. So under MIH manager, um, MIH nurse, MIH lead paramedic, which is Ari Singer's phone number. Um, we are working on getting uh, Simon and Joe's uh, Sonom phone numbers added to the list as well. Um, and uh, that's that's probably the best way to reach us. One of the concerns I hear is people fill out fill out the referral either in eMeds or Fire App, or they reach out in another way to report an issue and then they don't ever know what happens to that referral. Can you speak to how that happens? And with 700 this year, certainly follow-up may be a, a, a big lift, right? Yeah, we, you know, we make every effort to give our clinicians closure on these cases, even if the answer is we can't fix this right now because the patient has decided they don't want to participate in whatever um, interventions have been offered to them. Uh, we try to give you guys information, but um, there is a section at the bottom of the MIH referral worksheet that says, do you want to be contacted by MIH for follow-up? And a lot of people hit no. So if you hit no, um, you know, we're not necessarily going to follow up with you, especially if there's not much information to share. Like, you know, yeah, you transported the patient and then they got discharged to a nursing home. So um, there's not really all that much to share other than that the person uh, went to the facility. Um, it's also timely. Like, we, it takes us a long time to get results for people. People can be in the hospital for a couple of weeks before a discharge plan is made. And so we don't often have, um, you know, timely information to share with you guys right away. Um, we do get every referral. If you feel like you've referred somebody over and over and over again, and you're not hearing something, um, let us know. 
we we do try to um, update every single clinician. But with some of our folks who are really persistent high utilizers, what we've done in the past is update the captains at the stations where the uh, the units are usually responding from, and that way the captains can disseminate that info. So it could be that it's not getting disseminated to the whole shift. Um, but if you ever have a question or you're just curious, hey, whatever happened to that situation, you know, just just give us a call. And if I can add on to what Avatar is saying, um, we have an obligation as a department and as uh, you guys out there being the responders that depending on the severity or we'll, we'll say here the egregiousness of uh, that person's circumstances, you have an obligation to uh, make an a APS referral also. And uh, the number for that would be 240-777-3000. Um, and we've spoke to um, some of our providers and actually gave them the number. And along with us invest investigating uh, these referrals, APS is gonna wanna hear from the source uh, who's making the referral because it's it's just like when you run a call, you guys are the eyes and ears of what's going on out here. And it's only so much that we can see. Once again, when you're making these referrals, paint also paint a vivid picture for us. Um, we've had some excellent referrals in the past uh, few couple of weeks have, that have got us out there and got some people some resources faster than others. And that's just based off of the uh, details that were put in the report. So um, it's a it's a collaborative effort and we all have an obligation to do so. So, yeah. So following up with with Joe on on what an APS referral is, another good thing for providers to do would be to, you know, communicate with hospital staff, uh, share that information, um, give them specific details about what you saw, um, who was there. Um, it, it gives the hospital more information and uh, the likelihood is that they won't discharge that patient and it'll give our unit time to get in there and find a solution for them or even just manage the situation with you know our various uh, county stakeholders yeah the the patients are often um you know rosy colored glasses when it comes to hospital discharge a lot of them just want to go back home and the hospital has no way to know that it's an unsafe living situation a hoarded situation uh you know, um, really egregious living conditions unless they hear it from you guys. So it's, it's always helpful if, you know, it's not, it's not so that the hospital makes an APS referral and now it's not your problem. You're still obligated to make that APS referral. It's more so that um, if you're sharing that information with the hospital, it can affect the discharge planning. And maybe that person's not getting discharged right away because uh, they've heard firsthand about uh, the situation the patient might be returning to. Is it a legal requirement to report to the hospital the same way we have a legal requirement to report to APS? I don't believe it's a legal requirement that I'm aware of. Um, mandated reporter status is surrounding APS and CPS specifically for reporting. Um, I think the more vivid a picture we can paint for the hospital, the better. Um, that can include pictures. You know, a lot of times we'll get um, an APS referral made, or we'll reach out to housing and code enforcement about a, a severe hoarding situation or unsafe living conditions. And the first thing they're going to ask us is, well, do you have pictures? Because a lot of these services are voluntary. You know, APS can go knock on someone's door, but if they don't want to let them in, they don't have to. Um, so if APS can't see what's going on inside or housing and code enforcement can't see what's going on inside, there's not a lot that they can do. 
So, um, you know, take advantage of having your sonom phones, take pictures, attach them to your report. Uh, if you're taking them on the computer, um, you know, and, and put those in your, uh, emails report so that it's connected and then we can follow up that way. Um, you can also email us stuff. Uh, just don't forget to hit, you know, encrypt on that, on that email. So we're talking about mandating reporting for abuse situations, but a lot of what you guys are getting referrals for are, uh, we'll say clutter conditions or dirty houses, that type of thing. Is that right? That, yeah, that's correct. It's, it's not only unsafe living conditions, but what we're noticing is there's a, there's a lot of referrals of uh, that. Our providers just see something that's off. It could be uh, a, a, a resident of our vulnerable population that lives alone and they're concerned about it. And that's a good thing. Um, and and there is a like a difference, right? Abuse is not like, oh, I walked in and I saw, you know, a caregiver hitting someone. Um, it could also be, um, you know, financial exploitation. It could be um, just withholding normal things, right? If the person is bed bound and their spouse isn't bringing them food or water, um, that's neglect. So there's a wide scope of things. Um, it's why we encourage clinicians to reach out to APS. Um, if, if the call you make doesn't really fit their criteria, they're going to screen it out and say, you know, thanks for your referral, but this wasn't really the, uh, the kind of the, the case that we're able to handle. Um, and, but at least you made the call and you did your role, fulfilled your role as a mandated reporter. How has the addition of, or the improvement of EMEDS reporting on fall evaluations improved your awareness of potentially running, uh, running the same person multiple times? Yeah, I mean, we use First Watch, um, just like, uh, you know, most aspects of the QA, QI team, we use it for data surveillance in terms of frequency of, um, you know, call volume with somebody. If they're running, uh, if you're being, if you're encountering a patient multiple times and you're filling out that EMEDS report, um, it's going to notify us uh, through a trigger alert. Um, it does require that you put in a name and a date of birth. And so what we did was um, if you're doing just an operational support narrative, but you hit the MIH referral button in the worksheet, it's going to go back and require you to enter a name and date of birth. And that's because when we first started doing this, we were getting a lot of blank referrals. It was good information in them, but no name and no date of birth. And that doesn't really help us. Um, so this way, you know, we're able to at least uh, get an eye on somebody. When you guys are, are running these frequent callers, um, especially the falls, you know, we do go out and try to connect with them and find ways to adapt their home or introduce additional home care services, uh, whatever they may need to prevent the falls from happening. But ultimately, everything we do is consensual. So if the person says, I don't want your help or I don't want to listen to you, um, you know, sometimes we just have to wait until there's a significant injury, which is what we're trying to prevent. Sounds very labor intensive. Extremely. Extremely. <laughs> um, and I'll add on to what Avatar is saying, which is an excellent point that, um, and I said this from the beginning, and I believe she said this from the beginning, that these things take time. Um, we're not the only people that are dealing with these people. Um, the hospital's dealing with them. APS is dealing with them. Um, there's such a network of resources that 
may know the may know about this case and you guys as the providers um we've all been here everybody in this room has been there where you've had to be um run somebody the third time at three o'clock in the morning um we overall we overall know that you know it sucks but we have a job to do number one and then number two um if we can try to make a change in that person's life um i'm i'm not going to take away from the people who are doing everything that they can and still getting the 911 call from the same person. Um, unfortunately, that's how this goes until we can finally get a resolve. So nobody says that this is going to happen overnight. This is a, a labor intensive process, like the chief just said. So, Yeah. One of our longest uh, patients who was on our caseload from Micnick days um, just finally, we closed her case after a good solid five years um, where she's now in a, in a nursing home. Um, it It's never easy. It's never direct. And um, even when we find solutions, people often find ways to get out of them or the services end because they get better or they run out of insurance coverage or money or whatever the case may be. So just bear with us. Um, you know, none of these problems were made in a day and none of them are going to be fixed in a day. All right. So you guys got your hands full. What is, uh, what are some things that are coming down the line? Um, so we're in the final stages of, um, signing a memorandum of agreement with the crisis center to start transporting patients there. Um, there'll be more information to come on that when that's live, but basically we'll be transporting folks for low acuity, uh, behavioral health, um, stable medical patients who, you know, have something like depression, anxiety. Um, we also are going to have access to their new stabilization room that they opened um, that has four sobering recliners where people can uh, go for up to 23 hours to um, kind of sober up and, and get connected to resources for detox and rehab and next steps. Um, you can expect to see more field support from the MIH team. Uh, between Joe and Simon, we've got five days a week of uh, of medic coverage, and so they are going out in the field. They've assisted some crews on scene before who have called and said, hey, can you come out here and take a look at this? Um, so we're excited to continue to expand that. Uh, MIMS approved a buprenorphine pilot um, in the new protocol in July, and that applies specifically to MIH medics. So we're working with uh, Department of Health and Human Services and Maryland Treatment Centers to roll out a buprenorphine induction program. Um, basically, we'll be able to give people um, buprenorphine, which will stave off some of their withdrawal symptoms uh, after an overdose. So we're very excited about that program. So the diversion center opening in uh, 2026 or 2027 will be located at the Seven Locks Jail Complex. Um, that is going to be a destination for police, fire, rescue, and hospitals to uh, get people who are intoxicated or inebriated um, or on substances. Um, and basically it'll have 20 to 25 recliners, again, 23 hours stay for sobering as well as inpatient beds uh, where we can do medically assisted treatment and detox. So we're really excited about that. Um, and lastly, we are uh, reinvigorating a formerly defunct Montgomery County Boarding Task Force. Uh, we have heard from the field, we have seen your reports about um, the number of hoarding cases that we have and concerns about living conditions, especially for our elderly population who are trying to age in place. Um, and so we are working with housing and code enforcement, fire uh, and code compliance, um, 
and APS, uh, animal services, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on to make sure that we can start addressing these calls. So thank you for your referrals. Thank you for your information and uh, keep up the good work. I just want to be clear, the transport to the crisis center, that is any day now, and then the transport to the diversion center will be done by us in the field where uh, MIH is the lead on getting those agreements in place because Avital has the relationships with HHS uh, and is helping us get that done. Ultimately, that will result in us directly transporting people to the crisis center uh, and the diversion center when it opens. And obviously, a, a select subset of patients will be eligible to go there, very similar to our alternative destination program, but uh, hopefully with some more success in decompressing the emergency departments. We're excited. All right, guys. Well, thank you for the update. Anything else? Closing words? Um, just finish off by saying, um, once again, we are um, excited to be in this role. It's a new role for us. Um, like I said, we, we've had some building blocks to build off of. Uh, we And Simon and I are going to take this and run with it. We also aren't going to be the uh, dumping ground for the fire department either. So we're going to come out with more and more information and education as we go along and what's um, appropriate for a referral. And, and the more time that we have, the better we'll try to improve this system and we'll be happy to work with you guys in the future. All right. A lot of good behind the scenes work being done. Thank you guys for the update. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time.